There is no love like the love of Jesus. Amen? Amen. He loved the unlovely. He desired the undesirable. Loved us when we were in our sin. All right, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself there. We've been in this series uh, now called uh, Prayers That Made a Difference, and we hope to conclude in a couple weeks on Palm Sunday with Jesus' amazing prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so we've been looking at people in the Bible who've been praying some amazing prayers that move the hand of God in a situation. And I hope that you've been praying some prayers that have been making a difference, that you've been inspired to, uh, to deepen your prayer life. In the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at things in the Bible that God says that we should pray about, that we should talk to him about. And the idea is that um, this should help you, right, to, to uh, enliven your prayer life so that you're not just praying the same words over and over again, right? You're not just repeating the same things in kind of a rote way, but instead it, you've got a more meaningful, authentic prayer life, like a conversation rather than just a religious duty. Amen? And so today we're going to look at a couple more things that God says that we should pray about, that we should talk to him about. And I'm going to warn you right now, today's stuff it's kind of for the mature Christian, right? Or it pushes you towards maturity if you're going to uh, put these things into practice, these things that God says that we should talk to him about. They're for the person who's made maybe a little bit of progress in your faith, right? That learn to stand and walk in the Holy Spirit and journey in the grace of God, right? How many of you know that God expects you to grow in your faith? Right? He doesn't want you to be babes in Christ for your entire Christian walk. Right? He wants you to grow in your faith. So I think these things will challenge us today to grow in our faith. So let's look at them. Right? We're going to look at two ideas today. All right? The first is this. What should we talk to God about? What should we pray to him about? Well, he says, pray for those who are persecuted and mistreated. Pray for those who are being persecuted and mistreated. You know, in the book of Hebrews, the author is writing to Hebrew Christians who were facing persecution and were being tempted to leave their faith in Christ and return to Judaism. And so here's what's happening, right? In the first couple centuries, I'm sorry, the first couple decades of the Christian church, the persecution really wasn't coming from the Roman Empire so much. You know, people think like immediately that's what it was, you know, because we hear of Christians later on being fed to lines. But in the first couple decades, the Romans viewed the Christian uh, church as a sect within Judaism. And Judaism was considered to be an acceptable religion within the Roman Empire. All throughout the Roman Empire and cities in the Roman Empire, you had synagogues scattered in every city. And, and you could be a Jewish person and worship God in, in your Jewish way. And that was fine as long as you weren't causing a rebellion, you know, or fomenting an insurrection or something like that. You, you could be Jewish and you could be fine. And so the Romans viewed the Christians as a sect within Judaism. Right? And so the persecution often came during that time from either some Jewish leaders who, who saw these Christians as a threat to them, and so they, they stirred up riots and went from city to city following Paul and others around, you know, causing trouble for these new believers in Jesus. Or sometimes it came from uh, people who were leaders in commerce, like Demetrius in Ephesus, when people all of a sudden stopped buying all those false gods that they were making. Well, it was having an impact you know, on their business of making false gods. And so they, they caused a riot in Ephesus over it. But eventually, a couple of decades in, the Roman government began to look at Christianity as something separate from Judaism. 
And Christianity did not have the protections of being an accepted religion within the Roman Empire. And so when persecution started coming from this giant thing there called the Roman Empire, there were some who were tempted to retreat to what was viewed as the relative safety of Judaism. And so the author of Hebrews, he's writing to encourage them to remain faithful to Jesus. Chapter 10, he says, let us hold unswervingly to the faith, to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He goes on to say, you know, remember those earlier days when you had received the light, when you endured this great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. And other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So he's encouraging to stand faithful in difficulty. And then finally, near the end of the letter, he's summing everything up. And he tells them things like they should show love to one another and hospitality. And they should avoid immorality. And they should grow in their faith. And he adds this in verse 3. He says, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. That's a way of saying, you know, continue to pray for them and do whatever you can for them. He's saying, don't forget them. And you know why the reason he's saying that is? It's because it's easy It's easy for us to forget. It's easy to put that kind of stuff out of your mind. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, sometimes it can be a little bit disturbing to think about, right? I mean, it's much easier for me to think about chocolate chip cookies and cold milk and sweet dreams and sunny days and warm breezes all the time, right? It's much easier to think about that. But, you know, in a minute, I want to show you a passage of Scripture that shows how Jesus, that gives us a visual of how Jesus responds when one of his faithful ones is suffering for him. How many of you know that Jesus, it says, is seated right now at the right hand of the Father? Right? It says um, that, and that means his work is done. He was successful in everything that he did here. Um, After he died, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. The Father received him there, and the Father validated everything that he did here. said, it was successful. It worked. He did pay for the sin of all humanity, and he exalted him to the place that is above every other place and, and gave him a name that's above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. And then Jesus sat down at the right hand of of the Father in the throne of glory. And it also means this. It also means that there's nothing that can knock him off that throne. I mean, there is no power, there is no principality that can get him off of that throne. There's nothing that happens on earth that gets him off of that throne. And by the way, there's nothing that happens in your life that makes Jesus fall off his throne and, you know, say, boy, I didn't see that coming. Right? Nothing happens in your life that, that makes him fall off the throne. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But look in Acts chapter 7. Here Stephen has been brought before the Sanhedrin and he's falsely accused of blasphemy. 
And in his response, he gives them kind of this, this survey of redemption history, all the way from Moses through uh, the prophets, you know, Abraham through Moses and the prophets, ends with Jesus and the fact that, that they had crucified him, but God had risen him from the dead. And this so angered them and enraged them that they rushed at him. They, they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him to death. But as they were about to do it, it says this. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand hand of God. He's standing. Now, wait a minute. Jesus sits on the throne, but now he's standing. When one of his own is suffering for him, he gets up. He takes notice. He gets out 